UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Loki, Dogman, Howling in the Street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. I'm okay, yes, Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have another fascinating guest with me today. Um, I have with me someone who has had alien contact. Um, he's, an, he's a contactee. That's the best way to put it. Um, and we're going to talk about that today, um, who I have with me. But he's also an award-winning author, speaker, and entertainment industry CEO. He's a telepath, which means he has some kind of psychic ability. And he's asked over 30,000 questions to a meditative state. He brings a keen knowledge of how requesting benevolent outcomes can be used in both business affairs and one's personal life. He says that he's requesting benevolent outcomes for over 25 years and resulted in leading gender, more stressful and less fearful life, a gentle way. Um, and who I have with, his name is Tom T. Moore. And he's written the books, Atlantis and Lemuria, The Lost Continents Revealed, The Genoway Series, which is parts one, two, and three, Angelic Help with Your Animal Companions, Master Your Life, and benevolent outcomes and then he's also written a book called um first contact conversations with an et and then also the gentle way a self-help guide for those who believe in angels so actually it's a four-part the gentle way and then so so uh yeah but i want to give him a big warm welcome to the show tom thank you for joining me how are you great thanks so, for having me oh yeah no no problem it's uh, this, uh, this is gonna be a fun conversation so what uh, what i wanted to start, i think this is the best way to start off like when did your ET contact start? Or... It was 2008. Okay. And then, like, what kind of triggered that? I was um, having a conversation with my own uh, guardian angel, who I named Theo. And um, uh, we were having a conversation one day, and, and I was asking a question about some ruins on the other side of the world. And he said... Uh, he said, you know, you're going to get to see those one day. And I said, oh, yeah? And he said, yeah. Um, he, he said, uh, and E.T. is going to take you. And I said, oh. And he said, yeah, he's tuning into us right now. Well, I was in total shock because I didn't know that when I was having a what I thought was a private conversation with my own guardian angel that somebody else could tune in. It was like a party line. And... Uh, so he said, would you like to talk to him? And I said, well, let me think up some questions and let's do it in a week or two. And so a couple of weeks later, I had a list of questions and I started asking him about himself. And and we went on from there with hundreds and hundreds of questions. That's awesome. I actually remember that I was born. I, I'm, oh, I was born in the 80s, but I remember the party lines when people used to be able to pick up a phone and there would be multiple people on the phone like 
Not a lot of people know about that. Like, I, no, I was told I, about it. I probably family. shouldn't have mentioned that because it's it really dates back to the uh, the old farming days where where someone on a farm would be on a, a party line with another several other farms and that's the way it would work. Yeah, but that that kind of stuff was uh, you know kind of fun for humanity. Now, what I wanted to ask you is like, what would you say like what kind of intelligences besides angels are you in tune with would it would it be like Pleiadians, reptilians or what what would you say okay um antura is an amphibian all right and we both come from the same planet we're both fragments of the same soul which is why he has an easy time communicating with me because we're we're tuned together and um uh the the planet is Nomo. It's a water planet in the Sirius B star system. And there's over 20 planets orbiting Sirius B. Um, the, uh, the planet, this water planet Nomo, um, the amphibians uh, uh, settled there 18 million years ago. And they were the, the new kids in the block because there are planets in that solar system that had been inhabited for over a billion years. So they- I got a question. Is, he, is this the Nomo that like Credo Mutwa talks about? I don't know if you ever heard of Credo Mutwa. He's like an African shaman. He talked about that the Nomo first came and made contact with the, the people there. And that yes. they, they, they jumped out and they were swimming around and like, you know, they were like this amphibious type. Is this the same type of being? Same ones. Wow. So they still have contact with humanity. Oh, yes. And uh, and more so now. So well, um, why do you think they choose Tom to have like contact with certain people and not others? Like, do you think that's just because they're real picky on who they kind of choose to have contact with, or like, do you, do you think it's because well, they? Okay, yeah. it's been on my soul contract. You have to understand, everyone has soul contracts, and they were set up a million or ten million years ago. So, in your soul. Uh, my sole contract was to have this life at this time. And I was told that um, I, I had to um, go into the international film and TV program distribution business because I'd never had a life where I did that job before. And I need it for the future when my family and I are supposed to go up to Antura's mothership, which is three miles wide, 20 stories tall, 11 decks with a crew of 900 plus their families uh, because they live their whole lives on, uh, on the ship. And my family and I are supposed to shoot a series of documentaries up there this year. Wait, you're going on, wait a minute, this is amazing. So you're actually going on craft this year, you think? like. Right. You're, and, 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 and you're going to try, they're going to let you film. Right. And I couldn't believe it. I was uh, shutting off the manuscript for my first contact book and was about to send it into my publisher. And he had been hinting, uh, and Tura had been hinting at this. And so, you know, I was saying, oh, will I be able to uh, go in your uh, uh, scout craft? Scout crafts were like, you know, 30 feet wide or so. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
and can I take some pictures? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I was dumb as a box of rocks. You know, uh, I'm supposed to ask the questions. He's not supposed to give me information without me asking specific questions. So even like his appearance, when I first started talking to him, I thought he had looked like like uh, uh, us or, you know, something similar. But I was shocked to find out that he was he's an amphibian looks more on the order of a, a better looking Abe Sapien uh, who uh, was uh, one of the characters of the Hellboy movies so he's um, uh, you know he kept hinting around finally said Tom he said your family you, you and your family are going to come up to our mothership and you're going to shoot for 14 days and you know it was beyond my comprehension beyond my imagination i'd never never thought of that you know because i just figured somebody else would be doing this well the, why do you think now is the time they're letting this happen because like et's have been notoriously like uh they don't let people get pictures it's not like you know like if you go to like travis walton travis will say that the et's or betty and barney hill like you know, all those people that kind of had contact with aliens, none of them left with souvenirs or any evidence. You know what I mean? Just just kind of like uh, like like this or that kind of evidence. Like, yeah, maybe it happened. But like yeah, you're they, saying, they're, they're going to let you do this. Like you're Right. They're, they've, they've tried um, in the past, and we just weren't ready for it. I mean, you know, they, uh, they even had a meeting with Eisenhower. And they offered him all this peaceful stuff. And he said, the, you know, the war uh, military alliance uh, manufacturers and all just won't go for this. They'll, they'll not allow Congress to, to vote for any peace plan because they make, they make too much money off of wars. And so it's just continued. But finally, uh, slowly but surely, we raised our vibrational level to the point where they could start, you know, people start really finding out that we're not the only intelligent species in the universe. I mean, it was ridiculous for people to think that, but that's what our religions were teaching us. Well, and, I, I think another thing, Tom, is that I think that the public's not as much on for like the psyops and the false flags anymore. Like, you know, like I think if you look back at history, people can look at things like Vietnam and, I, and my dad was in Vietnam. So I have 100% respect for the troops, like beyond, like beyond measure. But I think we can all look back at that and say, well, these were false flag events. Maybe 9 11 might have been too. I don't know. I feel bad for all the people that died in that. But like, but then they started bringing up recently, like the Russia thing, and like I don't think the American public was buying into it. I don't think they're buying into Taiwan and China either. I think people don't want any part of it. I think people are finally starting to stand up to like, what do you what do you think? Yeah, um, and I agree. It's um, but but now, you know, they're they're starting. If you, if you you know just go through Facebook and and tweets and things every single day, there's people finally that are coming out and are are saying, hey, I had this UFO experience. And, and so they're not being told they're nutcases anymore. And, yeah, 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 I agree, right? It, okay. It's like, it's uh, it's starting to become more, not there's not as taboo, right? 
Yes. And so, and also even they got a law uh, passed in December where everything has to be investigated all the way back to 1945 on these uh, on these spacecraft that that crashed in our uh, you know in Roswell and and so on. So Aztec, Aztec was another one, right? It, Aztec exactly was another one. So Antares told me he said, Tom, and he told me this around October. Or so he said, Tom, tell your newsletter. I, I have this free newsletter that goes out every week. Tell your newsletter readers to keep their cell phones nearby because they're going to start seeing these spacecraft much closer up. They're not going to be little dots in the sky. They're going to be big where, you know, they, you can see the lights or, or, you know, perhaps even the occupants inside a, a window or something. So that's, that's coming in real and coming real fast. Well, okay, so is it because you said, going back to kind of what you said, is it because we've kind of elevated our consciousness and we're and society's ready for it? To the point where I think it's about 50% of the world believes that there are there are uh, intelligent life in the rest of the universe. Up until that time, it was a much lower percentage, again, because of teachings by religions and so on. Yeah, if you look back at like War of the Worlds, like War of the Worlds was a big problem, like for for society. Like War of the Worlds, like kind of like like made people. I know people killed themselves during that. Like you know what I mean. So yeah, I, I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't know if that. I mean, like I don't know the people, but I heard that. I heard that people killed themselves because that they thought that aliens were invading the planet. Like you know, it's 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 wild. Like yeah. to see and, the change. And if you if you notice all the. The popular movies always have, with the exception of E.T., all the all the movies typically have aliens as big bad guys. And in a way, that sort of dates back. Keep in mind, there really was a Star Wars. OK, there, there really was a real one. And it lasted a long time. It lasted 27,000 universal years, which in earth years that's 270,000 years so the reptilians in another galaxy had conquered everything in their galaxy and they wanted to take on more planets for their resources so they came to the our milky way galaxy and started uh started not exactly attacking but taking over they had mind control and stuff like that and that started a star wars that lasted for thousands of years. And people on, in all these other planets, um, now the Federation of Planets was formed after the Star Wars, but there's 20,000 planets just in our part of the galaxy that are members of the Federation of Planets. And, and so they, uh, you know, re retaliated, started fighting, and this war just went on and on and on, and people would, will live their whole lives because their lives would be like 800, 1,000, or 1,200 universal years old. And, and they would live their whole lives in fear that one day they would uh, wake up and there would be an en enemy ship that was about to blow up the sun because this was a nasty war. They would blow up the suns. They wouldn't blow up just an individual planet. They'd blow up the sun and destroy all the planets orbiting that sun 
killing billions and billions of people. So that's that's. Well, how I'm, do I'm going to ask you a question? Like, how do the Greys fit into this war, and how did the Anunnaki fit into this war? If they do, okay, okay. Now keep in mind that was the reptilians that started the big war. The Greys or the Zetas came to Earth because their race was dying out. They had been only um, uh, not having children. They would, uh, what do you call it, uh, just make them. <laughs> I'm, I'm losing my word uh, for that. Um, so they, uh, but suddenly uh, Creator decided he, he didn't want to insult uh, any of these uh, uh, Zetas anymore. And so they came to to our solar system and started abducting people for their DNA. And they would take them up, check their DNA. If it didn't match what they were looking for to make a hybrid, then they would just send them, send them back. And that was the only time. Other people, they would maybe abduct a hundred times. And for women, uh, uh, originally, when they would abduct them, they would keep them on their uh, on their ships for nine months. They'd have a baby, and then they'd send them back and put them back in their bed within thirty minutes or so of when uh, when they were taken, because they could they could uh, go through time. And so these women would go to their obstetrician. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And, uh, uh, and and they'd say, oh, you've had a baby recently. No, I haven't, you know. And so eventually they got to the point where they could only have to keep them for four months and remove the fetus at four months and send them back at that time. But but that's what they were after what was DNA to make these hybrids. And that, now, were they, were they united with the reptilians? Like, they have an alliance? No, no. They, they're, uh, you know, part of the Federation. Oh, it's the Zetas are part of the Federation. Right. There, there was, there's a, um, an Earth directive that after uh, Atlantis and Lemuria destroyed themselves, uh, and it was thanks to mistakes made by the ETs. They had an Earth director that they're on their own. They can sink or swim. And so that, uh, but they didn't include the Zetas coming to Earth and abducting people for their DNA. So it took, uh, it took like two and a half years, universal years, but it took over 25 Earth years for all these planets to sign off on an addendum to the Earth directive, and the Zetas are no longer allowed to do that. Yeah, and then what do you know about the Anunnaki? What are your thoughts on them? Do you think that they actually came and they started humanity or okay. helped start humanity? So you, you know, you've got you've got these guys in this planet um, that uh, the planet intersects our solar system every thirty eight hundred years or so. And every time that they would do that, these guys would force whatever kind of humans were living there. I mean, it didn't have to be Homo sapiens. Before them, before us, it was Cro-Magnus. Before them, it was Neanderthals. And there's been like 60 different 
types of humans um, on earth. And whatever type of human there were, they would enslave them and make them work uh, digging up gold uh, in mines. So there's mines in Africa, uh, different places that that uh, they made them work there. Yeah, that, that's interesting. So you, you think the Anunnaki actually came there? Yeah, but, and people still are worried, oh, maybe they're coming back. No, first of all, they claim that they're members of the Federation. I was told very emphatically, they are not members of the Federation. They're on probation and they are not to set foot on your planet. And second of all, they're still 3,000, you know, year, light years away or whatever um, uh, from you. And it's going to be a long time before that planet intersects you again. Okay, because they have to, you're saying they, 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 whatever their planet is, whether it's Nibiru or whatever, they have to like kind of like jump into our solar system, like because they're at the end of our solar system, right? Well, they're, if you imagine our solar system like this, and they're way down here and they come up like like that somehow. But know? like I thought there was like benevolent ones. I thought like Anki and Thoth were like more benevolent towards humans. Like, do, do you believe that or no? The alien what? I'm sorry. Now, Anki, like the the the, the Anunnaki's that were, but they were kind of. I was saying that they might have been more benevolent. Just those well, two, like yeah. Were, there probably was a mixture. Keep in mind, the the creator of our universe wanted to do what's called the Earth experiment. There are ten positive energies and four negative energies. Okay, um, our universe and the trillions of other universes only exist in the 10 positive energies. No one had been able to ever work with the four negative energies. These are just energies. They're not negative bad. They're just difficult to work with. And so the creator of our universe went to, uh, uh, went to these, these old societies in, in our galaxy and said, I want to do this experiment. And they, uh, and I'm told that you can always say no to the creator, but no one does. And so they, uh, he wanted them to create a body that could withstand these four negative energies. And, and they knew how to make bodies. They can pop out a body in two and a half minutes. Okay. But they didn't have any practical experience, I was told. So they, they uh, started out with all sorts of wild different kinds of things. And of course, eventually, you know, uh, they found, we found uh, our, uh, uh, the Lucy uh, bodies and, and the Littlefoot uh, uh, bodies. And um, uh, so they slowly, surely worked up the line. Neanderthals, as an example, uh, had 70% of our intelligence and the Cro-Magnets had 100% of our intelligence. But they finally settled on the Homo sapien Adam and Eve model 60,000 years ago. And that's that's where we are. That's awesome. Um, now, let me ask you this. Like, how did, uh, what, what made you start writing the book on Atlantis and Lemuria? Oh, um, I one day, uh, well, per, first of all, 
um, I was inspired to create the gentle way in this life of saying, I request the most vanilla I come for my drive to work, or I request the most vanilla I come for a parking space, or I request the most vanilla I come for the perfect job for me, or the perfect mate for me, or the perfect home for me, all of these. And, and so I, uh, when I talked to this Indian shaman uh, back in, in 2005, um, uh, when I was in Sedona, and he, this Indian shaman lives in the 1600s, and his name is Reveals the Mysteries. And he had been channeled for me before, but uh, finally I decided to try it myself, and I said, Reveals the Mysteries, are you there? And he says, yes, I am, Tom. And I said, wow, that's great. And so he went on to tell me I was going to write books, and um, uh, which I have uh, eventually. And uh, uh, and he said, you're living at the same time period I am. You're an Indian shaman named Stillwater, and you decided to incarnate into the 20th and 21st centuries to reintroduce people to the gentle way. He gave me the name of the book the first time I ever talked to him. So this went on for a couple of years, and I wondered, well, how does the gentle way? And so one day I'm, I decided to ask Theo and he said, Tom, he said, it dates all the way back to your time during Atlantean times when, and this was about 12,700 years ago, when you were inspired to create the gentle way and you had about 1 million people following you. And, and eventually you had to migrate uh, through Europe to Egypt because it was getting so bad that you were being told that the Alanians were going to destroy themselves. And so I migrated with 25,000 of my followers to Egypt and resettled there. So that's almost like how Thoth, Thoth talks about that in the Emerald Tablets. Like, do you feel like that you might have been someone like equivalent to like Thoth in a past life? Uh, like who? Thoth. Um, no, I, I'm I'm normally my soul contract are religious. So I've been at the start of just about every major religion there is, with the exception of two, and those are in my future, even though they're in the past. And and also in most in most of my other lives, I advise uh, leaders of countries. And that dates back to that Star Wars where uh, where I was this amphibious amphibian on Nomo and and I would reincarnate over and over and over again as as a spiritual leader, sort of like the Dalai Lama, if you want to compare it to someone on Earth. And um, and, and so uh, I presented, well, why don't we offer the uh, reptilians that they could uh, they could have 10% of the souls that are going to have lives on earth be reptilian but it was turned down by the future federation because they so hated and so detested the reptilians that they refused to even consider the idea 450 universal years go along and we're we're still losing we're losing worse 
And finally, they said, okay, we'll, we'll submit the idea. And the reptilians accepted it. From that moment on, the Federation wanted me as an advisor to the Federation because they said I thought outside the box. And so all these souls that were going to have lives on Earth that would be leaders of nations wanted me to be their advisors too. So I've got 300 more lives on Earth and most of them are going to be advising the small countries, United States. I know I've got a life that's uh, that's overlapping right now where I'm a gay woman uh, working in the Pentagon. And in 2032, um, uh, I'm uh, when there is a woman president of the United States, I'm going to be one of her main advisors. Well, so, here's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, this is so interesting. Like, how do you know this? Like, how do you know? Like, like I mean, like, how are you figuring this out through meditation, or what? What is it coming to I you? Ask questions. You know, those thirty thousand questions. It comes in. I mean, people uh, send me questions from all over the world to ask in these meditations, and so only maybe say ten percent of those questions are my questions. The rest are, are questions that's are sent in to me because I could never have thought to ask that many questions in a meditative state. So as an example, here, here is tomorrow. Whoops. <laughs> here is tomorrow morning. I've got, uh, I don't know if it shows up here. These are all the questions I've got to ask tomorrow morning in a meditation. That's amazing. And will, will a being kind of just come to you? Like, like, do you know like who you're dealing with all the time or like, how do well, you know who you're dealing with? Is it an angel? Is it an ET? Or is so it a big I, I, bag? Or yeah. first, first of all, when I go down, I surround myself in a bubble of white light. And then as extra added protection, I have a, a bubble of gold light on the outside of that white light. Uh, and then um, when it's time, I start off, I... I start off asking questions of Gaia, the soul of the earth. Then I'll switch. Um, like uh, last time I meditated, I, uh, I spoke to creator. Creator says, Tom, tell your uh, your leader, readers, pardon me, that uh, I will communicate with them. All they have to do is talk to me and I'll answer even trivial questions. Creator said that I can have trillions of conversations going on all at the same time, many far beyond your understanding at this time. But please tell them they can speak directly to me. And then I'll I'll speak to Theo. And then lastly, I'll I'll ask to speak to Antura. And Antura is, as I say, on this mothership, and he has three teammates. They're known as a, a first contact grassroots uh, team, and they all four of them monitor the conversation. Plus, there's one Pleiadian on a Pleiadian mothership, and he monitors it because uh, he's involved in in um, once a month. He and his team visits six countries that all think that they're the only ones that he's visiting. These are mostly like scientific types. 
and they're all trying to back engineer all these spacecraft that have crashed in the 40s and 50s and what have you. And they make sure that nobody gets ahead of the others. They all think they're the only ones that, that they're meeting with, but they're not. Do you know any other contactees besides yourself that are having the same experience? Have you met any other ones? Um, you know, I, I just do my thing. And and um, I'm an old soul. Um, they told me, you know, most people only have 600 to 800 lives on Earth. And, and I'm already at 1,005. When I heard that, I said, I must be a slow learner. And they said, no, you keep coming back push people along. So I've got, as I say, I've got 300 more. They didn't even want to tell me that. And I made them tell me. And, and, uh, but most of those will be, will be as an advisor. That's so interesting. Now, um, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about Atlantis because this is so, okay. Atlantis is so interesting. Like what is going on or what's the, uh, what happened with Atlantis? Like, why did they fall? Like, what was okay. their whole reason for falling? Like, sure. And where let was it located? Yeah, let me back up a little bit. There were, first of all, when the, the poles uh, moved, that uh, that killed a few thousand people, but that wasn't, they sort of dismissed that when they were giving me answers about Atlantis. The big, the big thing came about, Atlantis was 12, no, let's see, was about 10% larger than present day um, Australia, okay? It, it did sit in between Europe, Africa, and North America. And uh, the top of it was at about 47 degrees latitude, which if you were to draw a line straight out from the bottom of Newfoundland or Newfoundland, depending on where you're from, uh, uh, that's that would be the top of the continent. And, um, and so they, you know, as I say, they were inhabited starting 60,000 years ago. Well, they became very, very powerful and they started conquering all the Mediterranean and everything. And then 30,000 years ago, uh, there was a line of volcanoes that bisected the continent and all these volcanoes blew up at the same time and most of the continent of Atlantis sank, leaving only islands. And Canary Islands, um, Bermuda, some, a couple of islands off the coast of North America, the Bahamas were part of, uh, uh, were part of Atlantis. And there were two major islands in the middle of the Atlantic that were left called Poseidia. And and it was the, in the uh, sh a round shape and the size of Cuba. And then 375 miles to the south of that was the island of Aaron. And plus there were five little bitty islands in a semicircle below that. And if you were to draw a line straight out from Washington, DC, that's where Aaron was located. And so they, they went on for, you know, thousands of years. The ETs gave them crystal power. And, but instead of using it just for free energy, they figured out how to make lasers out of it. And so they wound up 
one day the sons of Belial that inhabited Aram decided they had enough of the law of one people living in Posadia. And so they did a, a Pearl Harbor attack. And this was 12,500 years ago. They flew seven, 375 miles to the north and attacked using these labor, lasers that could melt the ground you were on. A million and a half people uh, were killed the very first day of the, of the war. And then the Poseidians came back and retaliated. And by the time it was over, they sank all the islands. And where, when um, the continent of Atlantis sank, the oceans rose 160 feet. Um, the, uh, when, when the islands sank, the oceans rose 41 feet. And that was when actually the story of Noah took place, that, that it only rose 41 feet, but to him, it looked like the whole world was underwater and it wasn't. So that was two of the major raises in our ocean levels. That's interesting. So where do you think those 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 places shifted to? Because I heard someone say that um, if you look off the coast of California, like uh, actually I know exactly who it was. It was Mary Joyce. She's an investigative journalist. And this is so interesting once I tell you this. Like, I don't know what, I'm just going to get your thoughts. She told me she thinks that like, under underwater in California. Now, what she did was she used Google Earth to look up this stuff. Mm -hmm. You can look under the ocean. And she said there's definitely ruins. Now, I was thinking maybe that was like Lemuria shifted. Like once the, this no. cataclysm. No, it, it wasn't. That's more of an ET base off the coast of California, underwater ET base. That, that um, would make sense, too, because uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. I was I just had to say, like, you always see like USOs, unidentified submerged objects going off the coast of Santa Catalina. Right. Yep, exactly. And uh, so Lemuria was located over. It was actually joined to Japan at one time. But when the seas rose 160 feet, then another 41 feet, you know, we're talking 200 feet, uh, it, there was the, uh, uh, filled with water in between, in between Japan and Lemuria. Lemuria was 12% um, larger than present day Australia. And there were five countries that inhabited that continent, uh, divided by simple things like, just like Europe is by rivers, or mountain ranges, or whatever. So there are five countries, and so uh, they were. That was a very idyllic place for thousands of years. They lasted much longer than the Atlanteans. But seven thousand five hundred years ago, they were uh, a thousand. During that last thousand years, they started warring with the other countries, and finally, and this is where this was my worst life on earth. I ever had. I was a religious leader uh, in, in one of the countries on the west side, I think. And so I encouraged our leaders, they were thinking about using hydrogen type bombs to, to bomb two of these other countries. And I was encouraging them to say, say yeah, they, they don't have any way to retaliate. Well, they dropped the bombs, but they did. And so they retaliated. 
And with all these hydrogen type bombs going on, they uh, sank the whole continent. And that's in the oceans of the world rose another 172 or 78 feet when that happened. Um, the, the, the one thing I was talking about that I thought was really interesting before we finish up, I, I, I wanted to go over this. Like, I heard you say this in another one of your interviews that like you said that your next life it will actually be back in time. Like now I thought about this and I thought, well, maybe time isn't linear because like, you know, we always hear that a lot that, you know, and like, I wanted to ask you, like, have, do you think since you've lived like past lives, future lives, like. Do you think you've ever lived this life over again? Because that's something I question a lot. I feel like, no. you know, that I've lived this life over before. Like that no, I've lived this exact but, No, but what happens is that when you're having these lives in the past, present, or future, you rewrite lives. And you, you repeat you repeat things, is what you're saying. You do things in this you life. You don't repeat them. You just, it's like, it's like it changes and... And if, if you're doing really good things in this life, it affects the past lives and the future lives. So as an example, every morning I say a prayer. I say, I, I, I ask any and all beings to come to the aid, comfort, and assist uh, anyone that, uh, that I've ever harmed, either physically, mentally, morally, spiritually, or emotionally, in any past, present, or future life. And I ask any and all beings to come to the aid and comfort of the families and friends of anyone that I've ever harmed in any way in any past, present, or future life. Theo tells me that I need to say that every single day because all of these lives we're having on earth are all going on at the same time. And when I say that prayer, I'm making all my lives in the past, the present, and future easier. That's That's fascinating. That is fascinating. Now, one, a couple of other things on the questions you sent me over. You talk about these, um, what happened uh, in the, the the North America and the mines near Hot Springs. What's that all about? Okay. Um, after after the continent sank, um, the way this free energy with the crystals worked is that they had these giant 20, 25-foot crystals um, and they were called posers for whatever reason. And they were electromagnetically charged so that they put out in a beam of energy. The problem was this beam of energy um, was like a radio beam that the curvature of the earth, it would get weaker and weaker. So they had to have these posers, let's just say every 20 or 25 miles, whatever it happened to be. And in order to power all of their aircraft, all of their buses and trains and homes and everything. I mean, it was free energy. Uh, their cars couldn't go any faster than about 65 miles an hour, but they didn't. Uh, government officials were the only ones that had, had cars. And so uh, um, the... Uh, <laughs> lost my train of thought. So... We're after, talking about the hot springs mines. Okay. So after after the continent sank, they had to, to find more crystals. They didn't have these giant volcanoes that they could find crystals nearby. So they found crystals uh, west of hot springs, Arkansas. 
And so they would have this mining, mining village where there are like 600 or so counting families and everything. And they would mine an area and then they would just pack up and move the whole town to another area and start mining there. And, uh, and, and then they would ship these, these crystals they found because they had instruments that could locate giant crystals and they would ferry them back to Posadia and Aaron. So that's, that's how that worked. And there are, I've been told that there are actually mine entrances on farmers' lands, but they, they don't want anybody on their, their property, so they keep quiet about having a mine interest on their, uh, interest oh, this, on their land. This is fascinating. This is all real fascinating. I don't have any other questions. Is there anything else you wanted to cover before we finish up for tonight? Oh, um, let's see. Um, I will mention that for people, first of all, go to my website, www.thegentlewaybook, singular book, because I didn't think I'd write more than one book, uh, .com. And you can click on articles and news, and you'll see all my newsletters are archived there all the way from 2007, all the way to the present time, and they're weekly. And most of these are anywhere from nine to 13 pages long. Lots of reading, lots of questions I ask. And, um, uh, and also there's a search box and you can use the search box to search for topics that you're interested in. And you can sign up for the free newsletter on the front page of my website. So that's, you know, I encourage people to do that. And I encourage people to read the opening chapters uh, of, uh, I've got all, all of my books with the exception of the newest book, uh, The Gentle Way with Pets. Um, I've got sample chapters. You can read the sample chapters and it'll give you enough information that you can start requesting benevolent outcomes in your life. And it's gonna make your lives less stressful, less fearful, and more successful, because I guarantee if you ask for the perfect job for you, it may take six months, a year, or whatever. Um, maybe you'll have to have an interim job to prepare you for that job, but you'll you'll eventually get the job you want and and that perfect mate for you and the perfect home for you. So there's there's things that you can use it to make your life so much easier, even in the mundane things like getting a, a parking space close to a, a restaurant or grocery store. That's awesome. Well, I, I, yeah, and uh, thank you, Tom. This was amazing, and I'll send you a link when I upload it. Good, uh, I'll, and I'll post it on my newsletter. That's awesome. Thanks. Have a good night. Thank you for doing you this. Too. Thank you. All right.